Militarily Speaking, Episode 41, Military Officers Association of America. But we'll have to condense that Samoa, right? I am okay with that. Okay. I'm okay with that. This episode, we talk with Lila Quintiliani, Program Director, Financial and Benefits Education for MOA. Welcome to Militarily Speaking, brought to you by Armed Forces Bank. This is Tom McLean and Jody Vickery. I'm the Regional Military Executive for Armed Forces Bank, and Jody is the Executive Vice President, Director of Military Consumer Lending. Yes. Good morning. Again, welcome to our show. We're excited to have you listening and learning about our guest, Lila, with Military Officers Association of America. And I want to take just a few minutes, Lila, and share some of your bio with our listeners so that they know a little bit about you like we've come to learn. As MOA's Program Director, Financial and Benefits Education Counseling, Lila develops and manages MOA's financial and benefits counseling, education, consumer advice, staff consultant, and training programs. She provides members personalized, comprehensive, timely, and appropriate financial advice and military and veterans benefits information assistance. She also conducts off-site classes and presentations to educate audiences in financial topics such as investments, retirement planning, risk management, insurance, savings program, Credit issues, the list is long, Tom. I know. Taxes, estate planning, consumer awareness, survivor issues, and military veterans corporate benefit programs. She serves as the staff subject matter expert on financial and benefits matters to support MOA's legislative, marketing, and member product service efforts and provides financial and benefit content for MOA's print and electronic publications and multimedia channels. <laughs> Can you summarize that for me? I, she's very smart is what that <laughs> <laughs> that tells me on a lot of stuff. <laughs> and, and we did get yes. a little bit. Lila sent me her another bio. And yes, this was yes. taken off of her website, but a couple yes, more no, things I, about her education. Yeah, no, I definitely want to share that. So Lila carries a couple of certifications. Is that the Chartered Financial Consultant and the AFC? She's a former Army military intelligence officer as well as the spouse of an active duty service member. So thank you for your service and your service now as a military spouse. Prior to coming to MOA as Program Director for Financial and Benefits Education Counseling, she worked for over a decade at military installations, both in the United States and overseas, as a personal financial counselor. Most recently, she served as Senior Program Manager for the nonprofit-sponsored Military Saves Program. We're very familiar with them. We are. Which seeks to encourage the military and veteran communities to build wealth and reduce debt. Both good things. Lila holds a bachelor's degree in East Asian Studies from Columbia University and a master's degree in history from UCLA. She is a chartered financial consultant as well as an accredited financial counselor. So I, I told you very smart. And so I feel inadequate now because of all that. <laughs> My yeah, work she, here is done then. Good I job, know. Lila. It's almost like she, <laughs> you know, she can't drove into work today in to Virginia and she can go home now because what she'd accomplished and what you she read. She probably did more before like eight her time than you're gonna do all week. She actually long. doesn't have to start working again until <laughs> Probably what, November 8th? Of 2027. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so welcome, Lila. It's an honor to have you on our show, and thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you so much for, for inviting me to, to appear. It's, it's wonderful to have you. Let's start, if you would, just tell our audience a little bit about Military Officers Association of America, and in the event MOA. they're not familiar, MOA. Yeah. Well, for those who are not familiar with our organization, we are primarily a nonprofit nonpartisan legislative advocacy organization. 
I don't work on the government relations side of things, but that's primarily what our organization does. We have 10 registered lobbyists that go up on Capitol Hill to advocate for pay and benefits for our entire military and retiree active duty, the entire military community. So that's, that's, that's our primary focus. And our CEO likes to say that we're an organization of officers, but we're not an organization for officers. So we, we legislate for, for everybody. And that's really what we do. And I'm, I'm one of two finance and benefit counselors, and I do the things that <laughs> have been long that laundry said, list yes, that you yeah. read. We do a lot, yeah. apparently. Yes. <laughs> yes. So. It's no wonder you have so much to do. There's only two of you doing this. Yeah, there's two of us and we have over 360,000 members. So we're the fourth largest military service organization. Well, and all of those topics are so important and combined collectively so important for military families, I think. And if you can help them navigate the benefits maze, then, you know, that that in of itself, I'm sure, is a full-time job and then some. Is it true you've been around since 1929? <laughs> Like Lila? Or well, not Lila. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a pause there, but... Um, <laughs> I know, it sounded I guess, weird, I guess Tom. I'll have to ask my question over again, but yeah. Isn't that, is that true? Did you put me on the spot? I know it was <laughs> on the anniversary. <laughs> I don't know. Let me see. He has a terrible way of doing that, Lila. I know, Lila, just I, tell, me, tell me to, to back our, off. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to look up the phone well, here. Well, you know, everything know on the internet is, is true, so we'll just, we'll just go with that, okay? So... Let's go back to Lila personally. Now, you graduated from Columbia University. Again, these are, these are great accolades for you. You have the distinction of being a chartered financial consultant, accredited financial counselor. You have more than a decade of experience providing training in financial education on a personal level and in group settings. You have a master's from UCLA. The East Asian studies, Chinese history, I'd say that you have the qualifications to provide guidance on financial matters. But on, you know, on a side note, why the interest in foreign languages and history. My brother was a hi history major. Is there something that that you want to tell our audience about you? Well, I've, I've always been, I've always loved travel. That's a big constant in my life. I've always, you know, I'm always planning my next trip. I've been to 54 countries. So wow. I'm constantly trying to add to that list. So I've always been interested in other cultures, always interested in travel. When I went to college, I was exposed to I grew up in Miami, so there wasn't a lot of exposure to Asian culture. And when I went to college, yeah. I was just fascinated. So I, I started out going in that direction and then kind of changed course and went into the military. <laughs> <laughs> and then got interested in, in financial uh, stuff and financial education kind of later in life. But, you know, it's, it, it all kind of flows together in a, in a strange way. <laughs> Kind of found her way. That's pretty impressive. It, Fifty-four countries. Yeah, my my daughter is now up to I think four or five countries, and she does. She's gone to like Ghana and Costa Rica and places, just more on the personal level. Even though she went to Ghana to study turtles in in school, but she uh, I think she has that same kind of DNA you have about wanting to just figure out what's important to her and make sure she does it. She's been to more countries than I've been to states. <laughs> she. And by default, that will always be true since there are only fifty states. <laughs> you know, it, it's, you're still morning. you're still coffee deprived, I'm, aren't I you? I had no coffee. So, uh, thank you for sharing that that little little behind the scenes for you, Lila. But Moa has a long legacy of fighting hard to preserve the benefits and resources available to military members. So, just from your perspective, Lila, what's it mean to be a member of Moa? Well, Moa's 
motto is never stop serving. And, and I do think that that really describes what it is to be a member is, is trying to take care of the, the entire military community, especially advocating for active duty and, and guard and reserve because they really can't advocate for themselves. So, right. you know, you, you, you want to take care of others and the best way to do that is, is by making sure that they and their families have their pay and benefits taken care of. Well, I love that you've clarified that MOA is not just about serving the needs of the officer corps. So as you look at the 10-point agenda that uh, I won't run through here, but... Mr. Can you want to run through all 10 points? No. Okay. <laughs> Lila's Lila, welcome to do that. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there are so many issues that you could focus on and you could tackle. How do you go about kind of whittling that down to here are the 10 most impactful to that broad group of military members, veterans, guard reserve, active duty, you name it. How do you pick the 10? That seems like almost an impossible task. Yeah, I mean, our, our government relations team, they have a database where, you know, they are tracking issues. We They have analysts that work and, and you know, kind of narrow down the issues. And then we have our board. We have a 36-member board. They focus us on, you know, they focus the team on particular issues. And we have a long, long list of priorities. But we know that each year there's probably only two or three that we can focus on and really try to get get attention on them. And, and if, if there's legislation involved, try to get that legislation passed. Some of our issues take decades for us to pass things like, you know, the widow's tax, the, the repeal of the yep. SBP. DIC offset, things like concurrent receipt, and, and then we're still fighting for complete concurrent receipt. And some of these issues just take decades and decades and decades. So you have to narrow it down. And then each year we pick two to three issues that we we particularly focus on. Yeah, that makes sense. And I would I would have to think that the whole environment around politics and all of the things that go with that that we won't dive off into affect what you guys perceive as the ability to get certain topics through based on a bunch of noise that's probably circulating. Right. You know, and, and it's always difficult when, when there's, when there's a cost involved, it's always going to be difficult to get these yeah. issues passed, which is why we sometimes have incremental progress, like on the concurrent receipt issue, incremental progress. And then, you know, we try to get it across the, the final line. Another, another thing that an issue is on military pay. We've had some progress on that. Before 9-11, we were over 13% behind in our pay as compared to our civilian counterparts. We've been closing the gap, but you know we still are about 2.6% behind our civilian counterparts. And that's something that we're really looking closely at because this is the 50th anniversary of the all-volunteer force. We want to keep it that way and all volunteer yeah. force and we need to we need to compensate. We're in a very tough recruiting environment where we're competing for, you know, the top percentage of seventeen to twenty-four year olds and we can't keep paying them wages from a decade ago. So we, we need to that 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 was one of our that is one of our focuses, our major focuses this year has been the pr- preservation of the all volunteer force. That makes total sense. Yeah, thanks for fighting the fight. Nothing's easy and nothing is done quickly, especially when you're involved with legislative moves up there. 
So how does, let's get down to the nitty gritty, right? How does one officially become a member of MOA? And are there qualifications to be part of MOA? And if you don't fit the qualifications, are there any, are there still ways for people to support MOA uh, on the outside looking in? But is there any formality around MOA membership? Yes, you, you have to be a commissioned officer from one of the uniformed services, which includes not just, you know, Army, Air Force, Marine, Navy, Space Force, but also U.S. Public Health Service, Coast Guard, and NOAA. So they all could be members. Surviving spouses of a member can also in, kind of inherit that membership. But otherwise, you know, it, it, the membership itself is not open to, to those who weren't a commissioned officer. The way, the best way to support, I believe, would be using our Legislative Action Center, which is an online portal where you can see all of our various issues, where they stand in Congress, everything, you know, we support with, with explanations on it. And then there are templated letters to congressional representatives. And you can um, use that to send letters to your your elected officials. And that's what we encourage everyone to do. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to be an officer. You just have to have, you know, have that issue speak to you when you go into our legislative action center and, and use that to contact. And you don't have to use a template, but it just makes it easy. You can just kind of sure. click a button plug and push. Plug and play. Right. Yeah. Or, or you can, you can, you can uh, modify it and, and send it, you know, however you want. But that's, that's how we would tell people to get involved would be to contact there. If, if any of our issues, you know, speak to them on a personal level to contact yeah. their elected uh, representatives. But all this can be found at www.moaa.org? Yes. Correct? Okay. Right. Uh, you can navigate from there to, like, we have a tab on advocacy, and you can get to the Legislative Action Center that way. But, yes, the, they're all found on our main web page. I remember doing advocacy work for ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, for a decade. And we, we asked that of everybody as well that had a that touched them on a personal level or on a professional level. And they, we had those templated letters that could be sent. So uh, I appreciate you making it easy for, for folks to participate in and provide that kind of support. And that does help because sometimes people don't know what to say, right? But yeah. they're happy to send. And, and I also think people sometimes tend to feel like, oh, it's not going to matter if I do that. But uh, we assure them that their, their voice does matter. Their, their elected representatives do track the contacts that are made to their office. So it, it is important. Your, your voice can matter. Very much so. Very much so. So we'll share that website again as we, as we move through the podcast today. I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about your specific responsibilities, Lila. I'm very curious about what are you seeing right now? I mean, everybody knows sort of the economic climate we're in and how that impacts people and maybe military families even in more unique, different ways. What are you seeing when it comes to the demand for education in certain areas? What do you find are maybe the most pressing needs for, and if they're different by active duty versus veteran or, you know, just families in general? What do you see in the most questions about or the interest in? I would say it really differs depending on age group and demographic, like you were saying. I think the younger active duty folks are really concerned about the day-to-day you know, getting by day to day, they're concerned with, you know, their BAH. That was another issue of ours this year was that the fact that Ma believes that 
100% coverage for BAH needs to be restored. I think about 75% of active duty families are paying about $200 or more out of out of pocket over their BAH because not only was BAH reduced down to 95% instead of trying to cover 100% of housing costs, but also it does not respond well to the the chaotic housing market right now. And in a lot of areas, it's very difficult to find affordable housing. So I would say active duty folks, these are the issues that are, are occupying them because spouse unemployment, you know, housing issues that they, 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 you know, that they're, these are the things that are consuming them. And also, you know, saving for retirement, those kind of things, saving for their children's education. That's also very important. As, as folks are moving closer to getting out of the military, then they're worried about that transition stage. And I actually work as part of the transition team. So I do finance and benefit stuff, but my colleagues, they do more of like the career type things. So we have that as well. We offer lots of, of webinars and other services for, for everybody, not just officers. We, are, we have a lot of free resources that are open to all um, members and, and, and service members, uh, veterans and, and spouses. So we focus on that transition time frame. And then as folks get older, they do become more concerned about benefits, health care. That's a big yeah. thing that we do a lot of education on. Now you're looking more at the, you've saved for retirement. Now you're trying to figure out the best way to start withdrawing from your retirement savings. And that's pretty complicated as well. And also, you know, social security, Medicare, all these kinds of things. So I, I see kind of a an ebb and flow of issues depending on the temp, the, 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 the age group. Yeah. And that, that makes total sense. I mean, that's what we see as, as, as a bank, you yeah. know, people coming to us, it's based on kind of their stage in life and what's going on in their world. When you help people through that transition period, are you sharing with them some, I mean, cause I know when my husband retired, we, we were, I sort of felt like maybe he got information before I did and <laughs> <laughs> just didn't tell me, which is entirely possible, but I felt like we were making some decisions kind of right there on the fly, on the spot, without maybe full knowledge. And as I look back several years later, I think knowing what I know now and learned, I probably would have made some different choices. So are you helping them kind of in that moment make good choices? We're, we're trying to, um, and we do, some of the local installations, we do actually go out and give briefings on benefits, on health care, on, you know, survivor benefit plan, et cetera. And I do think you're right that people are making decisions in a very compressed time frame when it's very hard for them to know, you know, to, to make an informed choice. And I especially see that with our guard and reserve folks. Unfortunately, a lot of times they are not as well prepared just because of the nature of, of their, their service. And they kind of, a lot of things about guard and reserve are different and people don't know how to, to talk to them. So we, we try to we try to help where we can because yes you're right I, I think there are these key points in one's military career where the all these decisions need to be made and sometimes folks are not really ready for that so and some of those choices you can't undo later like you decide right. and like right. it's done and you can't go back you know six but, years later and say right oh, but, just kidding yeah, <laughs> I really the, do want that coverage yeah this the survive right the survivor benefit plan which is why we've been putting out a lot of information on the open season this year the survivor benefit plan has an open season until the end of this year so 
we've, we've tried to put out a lot of information on that. You, you mentioned doing briefings at, at military installations, right? That is there like a, is there a schedule or a, an installation of choice that you've got on a calendar that says we're going to be there talking about this particular topic or is it random? No, I mean, we are on a schedule with, with some of the local ones, but we also do virtual webinars every month okay. on different topics. I did, I, I invited the folks from the Social Security Administration to come speak last month. Next month is on charitable giving. So we have different topics that everyone is welcome. You don't have to be a member. They're, they're virtual. So you can sign up. And even if you can't be there, they'll send you the link to the webinar after the fact. So we try to do things on different, you know, so some we do in person, that's mostly just in the Northern Virginia, the capital region that we do those kind of briefings. But then we also do a lot of virtual things. We have virtual classrooms that that folks can sign up for. You don't have to be a member, but sometimes if you're not a member with some of those, there might be a nominal cost, but but there's a lot of free stuff that we do as well, those monthly webinars. On, on pay and benefits. They can find out though more at moa.org. Yes, we have a, a tab, an events tab, and we try okay. to do one to two finance and benefits webinars a month. And then the other more career transition folks also do one to two a month. So on any given month, we might have something on, you know, uh, social security, the, the open season for, for signing up for TRICARE, interview skills, resume writing. We do all kinds of stuff like that. Wow. Does, does MOA have like a newsletter of sorts where people can actually go to the website, sign up and get a recurring newsletter? Yes, we have a newsletter that anyone can get and you can sign up. And depending on your interests, I believe, maybe I better find out. But I do think it depends on your inter- what you signify as your interests, how exactly the newsletter looks. I'm not 100% sure of that because I'm That's not right. on the comms it, it, team. But we'll, we'll let them peruse your site and find out. That's their homework assignment. Yeah, and you can, you can definitely you can sign up for our electronic newsletter that comes out each week, and then members do receive our award-winning magazine, the Military Officer Magazine. So She put a plug in there about award-winning, right? I like that. I would, yeah, too. I would, too. It's a good publication. We get we get a lot of a lot of our members read that from cover to cover. <laughs> you know, when you go to your website, it says we protect the earned benefits of all service members. We improve the lives of those who served together. We have more influence in Congress, and I think there's a lot of truth to that statement too. That there are a here it is, Jody, a plethora mm-hmm. of issues facing our military. There's not enough time or resources to address all of them. So. I think we've danced around this a little bit during our conversation, but right. you, that 10-point agenda became, well, what are the really most important? Well, there's two or three that are really pressing. But if something were to just come your way out of left field, does that then become a priority for you? This is the government relations side of the house, I guess. Yeah, too. I mean, we definitely, when our members have things that they you know think are very important or whatever we do communicate them the finance and benefits counselors do communicate them to our government relations team and you know i'm sure that they add them they look into those issues and see if they're worthy of adding to the list of priorities but really you know there are really so many different priorities and it's guided by the board and by the research that the government relations team does and i also should say that we don't work alone on issues. You know, there are other, we're part of the military coalition. 
which is 35 organizations like, you know, Wounded Warrior, Blue Star Families, and MFA, mm-hmm. all of these kind of organizations. We don't always agree with them. MOA is the permanent co-chair of the military coalition, but we do come together with them and that makes us a more powerful voice on Capitol Hill. So it's always best when when we have issues that our other organizations in the military coalition, if they are also interested in those issues, that then it's easier to kind yeah. of move the move the needle on the dial. Bigger voice, right? More organizations. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that as you've done education yourself, again, shifting gears just a little bit, or, you know, I've seen in cases where an organization is advocating for a specific type of legislation, that sometimes we use stories of individuals that have been affected by the lack of benefit or the lack of coverage in an area. Are there any stories like that that you could share with our audience to sort of put a personal spin on the good work that you're doing, whether they're folks you've encountered through your educational efforts or ones you've seen MOA highlight as part of the the human side of pushing for legislative change? I would say the ones that I personally see are a lot of times we have surviving spouses that haven't been prepared very well, let's say, for for their their spouse's passing. So they kind of, you know, they kind of are in shock and don't know what to do. And we try to always help them. We have publications that can can help them kind of navigate the next steps. We have a checklist that we send out. And so we, we do pretty frequently help surviving spouses. Those are people that I, I, you know, speak to and my colleague does as well. We also, I know that, and this is not something I directly interact with. I, I should have mentioned it before, but we have two subsidiary foundations that MOA you know, MOA is, a, as I said, a nonprofit, nonpartisan legislative advocacy organization. But then we have two foundations that the scholarship fund, which gives scholarships to both officers and enlisted and has given over $160 million wow. in educational assistance to more than 16,000 students over the years through interest-free loans and grants, a mix of both. And um, they're supposed to disperse about $3.6 million this year. And they are always looking for more families to, to give to, especially enlisted families. And that's something that we, we always try to put out. So there's that. But then there's also um, the Crisis Relief Fund. And my colleagues at the MOA Foundation, they sent me some information right before the AMBA workshop about yeah. how the, the most recent grants that the Crisis Relief Fund had given were all to 100% to enlisted or or connected to enlisted individuals. And 100% of applicants said they would recommend the program. The average income of folks that we were giving these crisis relief grants to was the average income was $29,000. So these are people that are really, you know, in need. And we try to give them grants. It's definitely clear that you're putting the money where it could be most used and most probably valuable to those families, given the limited kind of discretionary income that's probably available to deal with a crisis or something else unexpected going on in life. You know, I struck as we were talking about stories and listening to you talk about that, we've had, I think, been blessed to meet military spouses by virtue of doing this podcast. And 
So many of them find themselves helping organizations like yours advocate for important legislation. And to a person, they're like, I never thought I would see myself doing something like this, yeah. but they care so deeply about this community that they're willing yeah. to, to kind of get in the fight, put themselves out of their comfort zone and share their stories. Reminds so. me of that love lives on, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Most definitely. Uh, you know, she, Lila brought up though a couple couple things, like she said, the two different funds that they have out there. I don't know if I would have even known that. So I appreciate you sharing that with our audience, Lila. Definitely. You know, the, by the time this podcast gets published, there will there will have been a decision probably in D.C. about the shutdown that's coming up. Government shutdown, but slated for the 30 September. But, you know, going forward, this will always be a battle, I, I think, on, Cap on Capitol Hill over government shutdown or not. And it, just because it's this fiscal year, it may happen the next fiscal year and 10 fiscal years from now that are there is there any advice or any guidance or any recommendations from a financial education or literacy or preparedness standpoint that you want to provide to our audience that can get them ready for something like that i think we take it for granted that saturday morning they'll get it resolved and we'll we'll move on to live another day but you know it, it could also become a reality right lila oh Oh, for sure. I mean, each each year for the past 27 years has started under either a continuing resolution or right. a shutdown, you know, so we've had this is not really new. <laughs> and I would say that, you know, the same, it's kind of evergreen advice to, that you should always be ready for this, because unfortunately, it's kind of the way things are right now. I, I actually just recently wrote an article for our newsletter on this topic. And I I really think it's important for folks to have an emergency fund because this is exactly, you know, the kind of thing that can very quickly turn into an emergency. We saw that a few years ago when the Coast Guard folks did not get paid during a shutdown. And I, I always tell folks that it's a good time when you think you, you're, you're facing a change in income, whether it's from a government shutdown or from a lot, job loss or whatever it is, whatever source of reason for income loss, you should definitely triage your expenses and figure out which ones are the, the most expensive because obviously having, you know, shelter over your head, food to eat and, you know, a car to get to work, those are very important. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, you need to, to figure those out and then definitely cut back on all non-essential expenses. And, you know, I don't just mean not eating out and not getting a, a latte or something. I mean, like <laughs> she's speaking my love language, I know, right now. <laughs> especially now. I, yeah. I mean, you know, temporarily halting contributions to your retirement fund, or if you're making, you know, aggressive debt repayments, like I've seen a lot of folks want to, you know, they get all fired up about paying down all their, their debt or, or yeah. things like that. I, I think, if you really are facing, you know, don't know that the next paycheck is coming in, then you just kind of have to put the brakes on that. Just pay the minimums on everything so that you're not wrecking your 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 credit history or having your car repossessed or whatever it is. But Good point. Um, you need to cut back on that. But I would say that the thing I see folks having the most struggles with in these kind of situations is actually spending their rainy day fund, their emergency fund. Because we kind of have like a psychological block against doing that, you know. <laughs> right, yeah. right. People don't want to touch it. And I've seen people get into debt not because they didn't want to touch their emergency fund, but that's exactly what it's for. So I would, I would encourage folks that if they don't 
get paid, that this is exactly, this is the emergency you've been waiting for. So you need to, you need to tap into that. And also to know where you can get help. A lot of folks don't realize that all the aid societies have lots of resources, even for retirees and for activated guard and reserve. They do, they do have resources that sometimes people, you know, go to nefarious places to get, you know, to get money when they could have gone to one of the aid societies or even talk to their, their creditors, talk to their banks, ask and see if they have any resources. So those, those would be the two big things that I think people don't always know where they can look and they can always go to even retirees can go to the military installation and get help from the family readiness center. They don't know to do that. And they, they don't know, you know, what's out there. And they also are afraid to actually use their emergency fund. Did you put all that information in that article that you recently published about resources like that, that we sometimes either take for granted or don't know what they, what they can do for yeah, I did. I did. I wrote. I, re- I wrote an article, and there there are with the links to the to the National Resource Directory, but also to you know Military One Source and other places where you can find all this information. The aid societies, yes. Good deal. So as we wind down, Lila, anything else you want to share that we might not have covered? Uh, you, you brought up some hidden gems for our audience. <laughs> But there's something else on your way into work or, or now that you want to uh, talk about with our audience? I think I, I, I slid the, the foundations in there. I had kind of... You did um, very well. <laughs> yes. I kind of neglected them when I first was describing it. And I just wanted to yeah, really bring that, that a lot of people don't know, realize that we have those two programs and they're, they're great. Whether it's, you know, applying to be a recipient of them or they're a good place to donate to if you are so inclined. Very good. Thanks for the good work you and your organization are doing, Lila. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know that we've kept you kept you for a while this morning, but we'd ask you to hang out with us for just a couple more minutes. We Is wanna, it time? We want to play the Military Minute. We're not going to put you on the spot, Lila. So last week's Military Minute was a question about our guest from Heart of America Patriot Foundation, and it was something that was said during the podcast, I think at least twice. So the question was, how many partner schools currently support Heart of America Patriot Foundation? I know the answer. You do, because you wrote it down. (laughs) (laughs) You were there. (laughs) But the answer is 31. So if you posted that answer and it was correct on our podcast drop for the Heart of America Patriot Foundation, Watch for your name to be also posted for the opportunity to receive $50 for yourself and $50 for a charity of your choice. And this week's Military Minute, it feels like we're going a little pop culture this we, week, which we doesn't tell surprise me. With, because I was involved? Because Tom was involved. <laughs> so this week's Military Minute takes us to a question on the topic of streaming shows. What Netflix show has been streamed the most of all time by both hours watched and views? Nobody answer. If you do know the answer, though, when we drop this podcast, I've never even heard of this answer. I oh. Like, it's bizarre, Dude. and I don't want you really to tell me about it. But if you are like Tom, and you do Netflix, and you know the answer, when we drop this podcast, enter your best guess, and you'll also have the chance to earn $50 for yourself and $50 for a charity of your choice. Do you know by not knowing or seeing this particular show, you've, you've left a void in your life? I'm okay with that. Okay. Okay. Yes. The, 
We digress. Thank you again, Lila, for spending time with us this morning on a rainy morning where you're at, it sounded like. But we're glad that you were here, and it was great to have you share with our audience all about MOA and the good work that you're doing and the other foundations that you shared about. And if you enjoyed today's episode, go out to afbank.com, subscribe to the show like Lila did. Also, make sure to rate us, leave us a comment on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple, Spotify, and now available on YouTube. So there's no excuse for not finding it if you're not an Apple or a Spotify subscriber. You can actually go to YouTube. So Lila, thank you again. And that time of the year where things are really hopping up in DC and we're looking forward to the next year when, when we know what's ahead of us or don't know. All right. Lila, have a good rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank Got you. It. Copyright 2022 Armed Forces Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, all non-Armed Forces Bank-owned apps, websites, company names, and product names are trademarks or registered trademarks of their respective owners. Their mention does not imply any affiliation with or endorsement by Armed Forces Bank of them or their products and services. They are merely used as examples of the many available apps, companies, and websites that offer similar services. Before using any app or website, you should carefully review the terms of use, data collection, and privacy policy. Apps may have an initial cost or in-application purchase features. This information is general in nature and is not intended to be legal, tax, or financial advice. Although Armed Forces Bank believes this information to be accurate, it cannot ensure that it could change. Statements or opinions of individuals referenced herein are their own, not Armed Forces Bank. Consult an appropriate professional concerning your specific situation and respective governing bodies for applicable laws, such as IRS.gov for current tax law, Armed Forces Bank, the Armed Forces Bank logo, and the Militarily Speaking logo are registered trademarks of Armed Forces Bank.